Welcome to Piano Rhapsody, an amateur's guide to classical piano. This is a podcast where you follow the journey of an amateur piano player striving to play advanced level works like Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue, which is where the podcast gets its name. It's a steady uphill climb, and every week we explore one of the pieces we encounter along this road, discussing the history surrounding the work and the music within. The goal is that by the end of the episode, we all have a little more knowledge and appreciation about music. And we can build on this foundation to tackle increasingly more difficult works in the future. This is episode 10.2, the second episode in a series spotlight on modern minimalist composer Philip Glass. Last week, we talked about the origins of minimalist music, and we listened to two movements from Glass's work, The Metamorphosis. We're going to continue our exploration of minimalism this week with another collection of piano works by Philip Glass, his set of 20 etudes. But first, I thought we should get to know a bit more about the life of Philip Glass, a man often described as one of the most influential living composers. Glass was born in Baltimore in 1937 into a family of Lithuanian Jewish emigrants, Within Glass's memoir, he recalls his mother aiding Holocaust survivors who fled to America, offering them shelter in their own home, teaching them English, and helping them find work, basically giving them stable ground to start their new lives in a new country. His father, Benjamin, owned a record store, which cultivated Philip's own love of music. From his memoir, My father was self-taught, but he ended up having a very refined and rich knowledge of classical, chamber, and contemporary music. Typically, he would come home and have dinner, and then sit in his armchair and listen to music until almost midnight. I caught on to this very early, and I would go and listen with him. The record store wasn't just any record store. It had the reputation of being Baltimore's leading source of modern music a library of music that the young Glass had at his fingertips, spanning modern music from Bartok, Schoenberg, and Shostakovich, all the way back to Beethoven and Schubert, who was Glass's self-professed favorite and source of great influence. Considering the time period, this was about as close as one could get to Spotify. Music availability is not even a consideration these days for which we should all be thankful. Believe it or not, Glass did not actually begin his musical performance career on the piano, but instead he studied flute at the Peabody Institute. Then, at the age of 15, he started an accelerated college program at the University of Chicago, which seems way too young to me, but he studied mathematics and philosophy. Now, I didn't know Glass actually studied mathematics before researching for this episode, and it's something that I could see everywhere in his music now. Intricate, unusual rhythmic patterns that are constantly shifting can be noted throughout all of his music. And if you hold on to this thought, we'll revisit this concept in a few minutes. Glass entered the elite musical school of Juilliard with the piano as his main instrument of study. One of his peers at school was a man that would also become linked with American minimalist music, Mr. Steve Reich. 
Glass received a Fulbright scholarship in 1964 and spent two years studying musical composition in Paris. He became infatuated with the films by Jean Cocteau, Jean-Luc Godard, and Francois Truffaut, and lived a life interacting with Parisian artists and musicians. He describes this time in his life in his memoir. The bohemian life you see in Cocteau's films was the life I was attracted to, and those were the people that I hung out with. From Paris, Glass moved to India in 1966, spending some time with Tibetan refugees and leaning towards the teachings of Buddhism. He met the 14th Dalai Lama and became a strong supporter of Tibetan independence. Even co-founding the Tibet House U.S. later in life during 1987. Glass returned to New York City in 1967, where he attended a performance of works by his former Juilliard classmate, Steve Reich, including the landmark minimalist work, Piano Phase. Which let's take a minute to dive into this tangent really quickly, because it's an important work for its time. Piano Phase is a work for two pianos that share identical lines of music. However, while both players start out playing synchronously, one player gradually speeds up so that the notes are slightly off kilter, causing a phasing effect. It sounds like utter chaos, but it's actually extremely orderly. This phasing continues until both players end up playing the same note in unison once again, which completes the loop. Needless to say, this performance and musical style left a deep impression on Glass, and this is the point where his compositional career launched full speed ahead. He would go on to write a catalog of works for solo piano, string quartets, chamber music, 12 symphonies, vocal works, operas and works for musical theater, including the infamous Einstein at the Beach, and scores for television and film. He has had, and continues to have, a wildly lucrative, admired, and decorated compositional career and is one of the biggest names in the modern classical music scene. John von Ryan from the Chicago Tribune recognizes his contributions to the modern musical zeitgeist with this quote. Glass's musical style is instantly recognizable, with its trademark churning ostinatos, undulating arpeggios, and repeating rhythms that morph over various lengths of time atop broad fields of tonal harmony. That style has taken permanent root in our pop middlebrow sensibility. Glass's music is now indelibly a part of our cultural lingua franca, just a click away on YouTube. From his father's record store to YouTube, he has certainly come a long way. So why don't we talk about one of these compositions? This week, we're going to focus on a set of 20 etudes that Glass wrote for solo piano. The etudes are split up into two volumes of 10. 
Glass wrote a majority of the etudes from the first set in 1994, because he needed additional repertoire for his solo piano concerts. He also wrote them as exercises to finesse some of the areas of technique that he needed to work on, which may explain why he elected to name these works Etudes instead of the originally planned title of Preludes. The word Etude, as we've talked about in the past, comes from a French word for study, and it tends to imply that the piece is trying to teach a specific technique to the musician playing it. Glass dedicated the original six etudes to Dennis Russell Davies for his 50th birthday, and all six can be found in the first set of ten. They were eventually numbered 2, 3, 4, 5, 9, and 10. Now the second set of etudes is a little more difficult and technically demanding than the first half. Glass wrote these across the span of 1994 to 2012, and they were first performed in 2012. These 20 etudes were considered very personal and almost exclusively performed by Glass himself. Most of them remained unplayed by anybody else for nearly 20 years until both volumes were finally published in 2014. Since then, they have been in high demand for professional recordings and are on the road to become a staple of modern piano literature. Will Glass's etudes be held up against Chopin's, Debussy's, and Rachmaninoff's legendary sets of etudes one day? Well, time will tell. But they're off to a good start. So for today, I thought we would take a look at one of the original six that Glass wrote for his collection. So I selected number nine, set in F minor. And in order to grasp the essence of this etude, we're going to need to talk about one of Philip Glass's first loves. That's right, math. Ah, quit whining. So I don't know Glass's exact intention with this etude, but I would guess it involves becoming proficient with juggling rhythmic balances. Throughout this etude, the time signature oscillates back and forth between a 3-4 time and a 5-4 time. So the rhythm shifts from 3 beats per measure to 5 beats per measure, which gives this piece an interesting, bouncy feeling that keeps the listener engaged and on their toes. Let's listen to the main theme of this etude, and then we'll break down the rhythm. Okay, so similar to what we heard last week in the Metamorphosis, the left hand's job during this entire etude is just to keep time with eighth notes. It's again a steady motor throughout this entire work. What we really want to focus on is the right hand. When that syncopated melody line comes in, we are experiencing 5-4 time five beats in a measure. So let's slow it down and count it out. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. 
Then Glass switches things up by abruptly shifting the meter to 3-4, cutting down the beats per measure to 3. And to add another layer to the rhythmic complexity, he uses a right-hand rhythm to give a feeling of 2 against the 3 beats. So let's slow this part down and I'll show you what I mean. We can hear it in 3. One, two, three, 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 one, two, three. But if we focus on the right hand, we could simultaneously choose to hear this part as two. One, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. One, two. So we've got fives, twos, and threes all battling it out within this piece to give it a driving intensity and playful feel. You understand now how I was not surprised at all to learn that Glass studied mathematics in college? This etude is a playground of rhythmic composition. True to Glass and minimalism itself, this etude utilizes a strong sense of repetition and gradual chord shifts to slowly evolve. You'll hear this theme over and over again, but differing slightly in sound. Then, about midway through the etude, we reach a mild slowdown and a transition to a different section where the rhythmic changes cool off a bit and the piece remains in a steady 3-4 time. After this section, the main theme returns, but this time around, it's raised up an octave to the brighter, more delicate register of the piano. And then, the etude fades into silence with the repeated declaration of the home chord of F minor. So see if you can wrap your head around these different rhythmic numbers as we listen to Philip Glass's Etude Number no. 9 in its entirety.
While this may have been one of the original etudes Glass wrote in 1994, he kept it close to his chest for 20 years. And now, even amateur piano players like myself can properly celebrate this collection and share its greatness with all of you. And hopefully, people will continue doing so for years to come. Next week, we're going to close the doors of our Spotlight Tour with one of Glass's works for the film, The Hours. You can find the standalone recording of this etude that we discussed today directly in the podcast feed. Check out Piano Rhapsody on SoundCloud for all of the tracks from this podcast and more. You can find me on Twitter at Piano Rhapsody or email me at pianorhapsodypodcast at gmail.com if you want to reach out. And if you haven't already, please hit the subscribe button on your podcast player and consider rating and reviewing. It's the easiest way to never miss a new episode. Thanks as always for your time, ears, and your support. And I'll be back next week with the conclusion to our musical spotlight tour.